Podcast Network Asia. You are listening to part two of a two-part series into the horrific deaths of two more Filipina domestic workers in Kuwait in the last 24 hours. In July 2018, a few months after Joanna Demophilus was laid to rest and humane regulations for domestic helpers were finally drafted by both the Kuwait and the Philippine government, a Kuwaiti beauty blogger would make a much derided statement indicative of intrinsic, discriminatory, and dangerous attitudes toward domestic workers in the region. In a video posted in Arabic on her Instagram account, Sandos Al-Katan questioned the Kuwaiti government's move to protect workers, stating that the new laws that have been passed are like a pathetic film CNN quoted her as saying, For her to take a day off every week, that's four days a month. Those are days that she'll be out and we don't know what she'll be doing on those days with her passport on her. Additionally, The Guardian also quoted her posts, How can you have a servant at home who gets to keep their passport with them? If they run away and went back to their country, who will refund me? I don't want a Filipino maid anymore. The video attracted international condemnation and intensive media coverage, but Al-Katan was unfazed and posted an unapologetic response on her Instagram, which intensified criticism. In further comments she made to news agency AFP, she stated that the outcry is unjustified and did not require an apology, adding that the criticisms against her is a foreign media campaign against her and an attack on Islam, the hijab, and Kuwait. At the time, backlash from her comments made a few brands cut ties with Al-Katan. Since then, however, the beauty blogger has continued, seemingly unaffected by the scandal, with her follower count on Instagram having gone up from 2.3 to 2.4 million. It's against this societal attitude that once more another Filipina domestic helper has died. Maria Constantia Dayag had been working in Kuwait since 2016, and in late May of 2019, her grieving family members would meet her remains in a wooden box. Citing initial reports, Philippine Labor Secretary Silvestro Bello said that her body bore various contusions and signs of hematoma. A cucumber was also found inserted in her vaginal cavity. The Kuwait General Prosecutor Office, with the support of the Philippine government, has filed felony murder charges against Constantia's Kuwaiti employer. Meanwhile, the NBI has pledged to conduct its own investigation on the official cause of her death. Constantia's death threatened to undermine the progress made between Kuwait and the Philippine government as renewed calls for a deployment ban kicked up once more. In familiar anguished scenes at the airport, Constantia's family appealed to the president for assistance in getting justice for their murdered loved one. While on TV, concerned Filipinos appealed for understanding and calm, worried that the incident will affect their work applications to Kuwait. This in spite of what happened to Constantia and other widely documented abuses on domestic helpers, described by some as modern-day slavery. According to the Philippine Embassy, there are 250,000 Filipinos working in Kuwait as of 2018, 
65% of which are employed as domestic helpers. Most, if not all of them, are female. They earn roughly 17 to 20,000 pesos and most likely live with their employers, making them highly vulnerable to abuse and exploitation. In extreme cases, they have included unpaid wages, forced confinement, food deprivation, physical and sexual abuse, forced labor, including debt bondage and trafficking. The investigation into Constantia's death is still ongoing, and research has turned up little to no movement regarding her case, when just seven months later, another horrific murder of a Filipina domestic helper would occur. A few days before the end of 2019, 26-year-old Jenalyn Villavende from South Cotabato would die from her injuries after being rushed by her male employer to a hospital in Kuwait. The autopsy report conducted in the country would indicate that she died due to acute failure of heart and respiration as a result of shock and multiple injuries in the vascular nervous system. But the NBI autopsy conducted in the Philippines would, however, tell in detail the brutal story of what really happened to Janeline before she died. After receiving the autopsy report from the NBI Medico Legal, Justice Secretary Minardo Guevara announced to the local press that Janelin was raped before she was killed. Citing the report, Guevara added that the NBI found multiple severe traumatic injuries, including lacerations on her genitalia and anal region. According to an Enquirer article, the autopsy also found a piece of wood inside her body and that a blunt object had been thrust into her anus. She was also found to be malnourished. Janelin also had healed wounds, which indicated that she had been physically battered weeks prior to her death. None of these injuries were indicated in the official autopsy from Kuwait. Additionally, her cadaver arrived in the Philippines without her brain, heart, stomach, and pancreas. Overseas Workers Welfare Administrator Hans Kakdak in an interview with CNN indicated that the autopsied bodies from the Middle East usually have missing organs when flown back home, a practice that is not unacceptable in a country which supposedly places high regard for the dead. Both her employers were arrested and charged with murder, but not after offering Janelin's family blood money totaling 50 million pesos to settle the case. CNN would report that the family rejected this offer, stating through a representative that they want the couple sentenced to death for what they did. Janelin had only been working for the couple for a few months in mid-2019, when, according to the incident report, the husband began abusing her. It wasn't made clear if and when the wife discovered the abuse, but on the day Janelin was taken to the hospital, the wife violently assaulted her. According to court records, Apart from striking Janelin with her hands and legs, the wife used a flat iron, a wooden spoon, a wooden stick, and an iron spoon and car keys in a barrage of attacks that landed mostly on her head and chest. The investigating officer then stated that the couple transferred Janelin's battered body to the dressing room and locked her in. At some point, they noticed that her condition had deteriorated, after which the wife put makeup on Janelin's face in an attempt to hide her health condition and dressed her in clothes meant to hide her injuries. The wife denied all charges 
and maintained that she treated Jenlin well. On December 30th, 2020, a year after Jenlin's family learned of her death, the Kuwaiti court would sentence her female employer to death by hanging, while the husband, in spite of the rape findings, would only get four years in prison. Government officials were quick to laud the court's decision and congratulated each other and their Kuwaiti counterparts for the swift resolution to Jenlin's case, with the current Philippine ambassador to Kuwait, Mohamed Nurdin Lomondot, releasing this statement. May the court of first instance's decision on the Villa Venda murder case serve as a reminder to everyone that no Filipino is a slave to anyone. Regardless of how Jenalyn's employers saw and treated her, Jenalyn's death could have been prevented if better procedures were in place for assisting distressed OFWs. According to a Rappler article, the Department of Labor said in a statement on the 2nd of January that Jenalyn had informed her recruitment agency of maltreatment and underpayment as early as September 2019, adding that she repeatedly asked the agency for repatriation but received no assistance on her requests. The POEA has since suspended the placement agency that failed to act on Jenalyn's case in yet another case of too little, too late. With pandemic restrictions currently in place, the conditions that led these women to their brutal deaths could lead to more abuses and more OFWs coming home to their family in wooden caskets. An East Asia article written by UP professor Henelito Sevilla Jr. asserts that the contributions of OFW to the Philippine economy demands reciprocity from the Philippine government to ensure the protection of their welfare, emphasizing that the tacit notion that Filipino migration is simply part of a global trend and working abroad is the sole option of many Filipinos seeking better economic opportunities should be seriously deliberated in the legislative and executive branch of the government. Sevilla calls on policy proposals that involve the government continuing to support Filipinos working abroad, but while also investing in sustainable infrastructure at home to create jobs for future generations of Filipinos. Until then, it's a macabre wait and see as more Filipino migrant workers working in Kuwait play a dangerous game of Russian roulette with their lives, all for the opportunity of a dignified means to earn a living and provide for their families, an opportunity no one should have to put their lives on the line to achieve. You have just listened to the concluding episode of a two-part series into the OFW nightmare in Kuwait in the last 24 hours. Don't miss out on new episodes like, subscribe to The Last 24 Hours, or follow the podcast on Facebook at Historia Nijet, where you can get in touch, tell me your thoughts, suggest cases, or just say hello. I'll do my best to get back to you. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.